Women account for 50% of the global population, yet they only represent about one in three high-growth entrepreneurs and one in three innovation entrepreneurs focused on national and international markets, according to Global Entrepreneurship Monitor. It's high time we change that. Emerging Europe Talks She's Next, empowered by Visa, is a series of podcasts with, about, and for women to support them in their efforts to fund, run, and grow their small businesses and startups. Meanwhile, check out the community platform for female entrepreneurs in Eastern Europe and Central Asia at she'snext.emergingeurope.org. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Robel, and I am the founding partner of Emerging Europe and really delighted to be the host of Emerging Europe Talks, She's Next. Hello, and my name is Silke Horakova. I'm the co-founder of Tyria Impact Ventures, which was one of the first impact funds in Central and Eastern Europe. We have a family business. I just want to mention it at the beginning. Albatros Media, this is the largest book publishing company in the Czech Republic, And I'm also, I co-founded two foundations. One is supporting disadvantaged children in education, and the other one is supporting independent journalism in the Czech Republic. Silke, it's wonderful to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Andrew. Silke, let's then start with Tilia Impact Ventures, because that's the, the main sort of reason why we, we met together. So tell us a little bit more. I know that you want to make a social and environmental impact on a global scale, but tell us more. Yes, I mean, when we started in 2018, it didn't look very much like a global scale, but it was really to try something new in the region and um, in our country And it was about convincing investors that impact investing is something valid and has a future. And uh, it's worthwhile to invest in both in financial return and doing something good for the society at the same time. So we started a really small fund to experiment, to try out things and to make mistakes as well. We have invested this fund. We did nine investments and now we are about to close our second fund which is still a small one, but for us, quite a different thing. It has a target size of 32 million euro, and we will still focus on uh, both social and environmental impact, hopefully with a global impact of our investee companies. We have both focuses 50-50, let's say, in our investment strategy. We are just about to make our first closing, so we are very happy to to this right now. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the projects that the fund has invested in and what kind of impact they have had? Don't want to name all our investee companies, but in general, we have identified very early uh, different areas we, we, where we can create in this region specifically social and environmental impact. And this is social inclusion and transparency in societies, the first one. Uh, here we made one investment, a great one. These are data analytics, IT guys, which uh, specializing in public tenders and offering to the public sector products, which make it more transparent and more efficient. They create a great impact, actually. Then we look at education. Here we have done one investment as well, which is uh, a wonderful project in Poland, 
founded by a female founder. We will talk about Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. And a great personality, I have to say, a great founder. And this is in uh, preschool education. And um, this will enable much more moms uh, to go early back to work and or build their own business, but mainly to improve the quality of uh, preschool education. Apart from this, we are looking at the healthcare sector, but with a view on accessibility to healthcare. We have done two investments here. One is doing uh, glasses for third world countries. And the other one is a platform for hearing impaired people, a communication platform. And then we have done environmental projects. In our first fund, very much focusing on the circular economy, something we like very much. Where we have done three projects. Just to give you an example, one is a waste management platform, a trading platform where companies can trade their waste material. Or another one is a wonderful project in the retail sector to make the entire supply chain sustainable and uh, packaging free. And uh, there's also a project, for example, in food waste, which also belongs in the environmental sector, let's say. So that's about it. And our last investment we have done is in the fashion industry to make it more sustainable. That's very interesting as well. But when I was listening to your introduction, I have to say that you are a serial entrepreneur yourself. Do you feel like one? Well, that's a good question. I've never founded really a company, so maybe not in this respect. But yes, I have changed my roles quite a couple of times in my life, referring to this. And I very much feel this entrepreneurial role, let's say, not being a founder of a company, but in this role, yes, maybe in this respect. And what does entrepreneurship mean to you, if you were to define that? Entrepreneurship for me is, let's say, having a vision, a passion for this. And in this respect, I really belong in this category. I believe somebody has the ability to do of strategic thinking and um, having an innovative idea, ideally disruptive. And something which is also very important for me is this vision or the wish to do something positive, which has a lasting positive influence on our society or planet. And do you think that, because you mentioned the project that you have invested in, in Poland, in the preschool education, you mentioned it was founded by a female founder. Do you think that female entrepreneurship in any way differs from entrepreneurship in general? Well, I don't think so. In re I, I really don't think so. I think it needs some threats. It needs some characteristics we have discussed right now. It needs also a lot of adaptability, ability to learn, to reflect and to adapt to changes. Well, I don't think it's different for a female. I think a female brings different perspective quite often more compassion, communication skills are quite often better. But I think this, this depends very much on the personality. The only difference I can really see that women in general lack much more than men the courage to do so, to take this responsibility, to take this leadership position and to say, yes, I can do this. <laughs> I know the question sounded a little bit silly, but you know, since we oftentimes talk about female entrepreneurship, Since we emphasize that, I thought that it would make sense to ask this question, but I, I can see your answer here that female entrepreneurs sometimes lack this 
courage, as you said. What do you think about leadership? What does leadership mean to you? And and perhaps how, again, maybe a, again, a silly question, but how does that differ in, in the case of, of women? Again, I would think it's in the first two characteristics completely the same. It needs a vision and it needs passion for this vision. And then we have some skills which are absolutely necessary, communication skills, guidance, leadership as guidance to guide other people into their roles, which means also to delegate. And, but that's sometimes, how to say, a problem generally in the startup sector with no difference of gender. <laughs> True. And uh, again, the ability to learn and to adapt quickly. But again, also this kind of focus on strategic thinking and on priorities, which takes on the other side the need for decision-making. And uh, sometimes I also see a lack of this in, in some of the entrepreneurs we are working with. It's very, quite essential. Again, I think that's a good leader and a female leader, not much difference to me. Again, I think they are better in working with people in general, communication, stronger. But I don't like this kind of generalization. <laughs> it depends very much on the person. And if we look at both, uh, you know, e leadership and, and entrepreneurship in Central and Eastern Europe, you've been working with, with companies, with startups, with organizations from this region. Do you think that it in any way differs from the rest of Europe or the world? Yeah, I mean, I can give you some numbers. I think we are still worse off in some sense. I was proud to co-found an organization which is called European Women in venture capital, because I'm working in the venture capital industry many years ago, and they made a study recently, and they came up with some very interesting figures, which are actually not so much encouraging with regard to the role of women in the sector. There's no difference between the regions, to be frank. So if you look at these figures, it's, it's astonishing. Still today, we, have, we can see in 2021, which was the year of record investments in startups from the venture capital industry. We are talking about 100 billion here. And in this year, only 1.8% in Europe were female founders, purely female founded teams. Another 9.3% were mixed teams and all the rest, men only, male only. And it's not much different, but even worse in Central and Eastern Europe. If we look at these numbers, it's just 1% for women only and 5% for mixed teams. So I have to say the uh, situation is very, very similar, but still a little bit worse. And if we look, that these are the numbers, let's say. But if you look back at the history, where we are coming from, I was just thinking about it. It has a combination of factors who influence the starting point, I would say. Uh, first of all, in these communist countries, we had a high ratio of female employing. So female were used, women were used to work in these countries, which is good. But on the other side, there was a complete lack of entrepreneurship, or let's call it even entrepreneurial spirit, because work, that, I mean, work hard, but otherwise everything is taken care of. You know, that was a kind of principle. Correct, yes. And then what happened, there were all these new opportunities. And I could see this in my own career. You can maybe speak about it a little bit later. All this opportunity. And there was such a strong drive to learn, to take 
these opportunities and to learn. So a lot of people were going to the West, were learning, studying, whatever, depending on the age, coming back, and that made a big difference. And I mean, as you can see, it's still today, our founders in our portfolio companies, for example, most of them had this experience of going to the West to study, to some really good universities, coming back, or having even their working experience in these countries, coming back and applying this. And then I brought this strong entrepreneurial spirit with them. So I think that from a historic point of view, but to be frank, I think now there's not much big difference anymore. What do you think we can do to encourage more women to enter this entrepreneurial path and come up with, with solutions that would make a difference, would make an impact? Well, I think... I mean, first of all, I give you the answers maybe everybody would give you, and it means networking, supporting each other in networks, coachings. But if you look a little bit deeper, it starts much earlier. It starts with role models. And this goes back to our education system, I'm afraid. I mean, we as an impact investors, we want to make a change, and we are looking for startups which are trying to make a change. And for example, in the education sector, we have looked at uh, better STEM education and uh, supporting female networks. These are projects we were looking at, or this education project I was talking about, which helps moms to go back early to work and to combine parenting with, with their career. Because I still think it's the major problem for women to combine family and, and career, because it's, <laughs> that's what we want all, right? And uh, these role models haven't really changed substantially. So I think um, the education system, I would start there. And, and I think it's even about teaching entrepreneurship, teaching technical education, finance at this early stage, independent of role models, would help to educate future female entrepreneurs. So, for example, we have help to initiate the uh, economic university bachelor and the master program in social entrepreneurship. So I think these things have to happen at the primary level or at the secondary level of the school education system already. So I think there's a couple of things. And then looking even broader, I think childcare is still a problem and would help. And uh, educating men in this, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> yes, but definitely I think we have to encourage women also by, by role models and uh, positive examples much more. And last but not least, I mean, the numbers I've told you about uh, funding female entrepreneurs, if you look at the fund levels, it's not much better situation. So I think we need to help um, female partners in venture capital funds to come to existence as funds as, as such. I mean, we have some positive examples in the region like SPIRA is a fund in the Czech Republic who has a focus on diverse uh, management teams. We have Black Swan or Xperia in Poland, but there's still relatively small funds. And the share of funding power, as we say, which is in the hand of female because female help female, this share is very, very small. I need to go back to one thing that you said about role models. And I wanted to ask you about yours. 
your role models when you were planning on developing your career? What was it like? Did you know from the very beginning that you would like to follow this path? Or what was it like? Well, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I started my career with doing some academic work. I was doing a PhD thesis uh, still back in Germany. And um, I ended up in the Czech Republic because I married a Czech guy. And that was in 89. And that was just by chance I came to this country, to the Czech Republic during this revolution. And this has, of course, a major impact on my future career. As so many people, we picked up the opportunities. I followed my husband to France and I was doing, um, I was working in asset management with a French bank, learning a lot, really learning a lot. But it was not only learning, let's say, finance, asset management, but I learned much more for life. You know, Just to give you an example, because I, I like to recall this from time to time. By that time, I had a small child, which was, um, she was born in 88, our daughter. So we moved, I'm coming from the eastern part of Germany. And it was quite normal since 90% of women did it. And it was the social system supporting this. We stayed all one year at home because it was financed, 90% of your salary for one year. So that's what everybody did. And then I moved to the Czech Republic. <laughs> and then it was quite common and it was, again, a kind of social motivation scheme in place to stay at home three to four years. And you would read in newspapers, everything else is bad for your child, you know. And then we moved to France. And it happened all in within one to two years, right? And in France, everybody went back. The moms went back to work. Uh, weeks of parenting at home. And then I said to myself, well, where is the truth, you know? And that was a big learning lesson for me because there is no truth. It has to be always an individual solution and we should stop applying one model as a general model and the best model. So that was a big learning lesson for me. So I picked up all these opportunities and at the beginning coming back also, well, everything was possible, sort of, you know. And um, I had um, one role model, but it was still back in Germany. When I did my PhD thesis, I had professor, she was my supervisor, and she was a quite feminist person <laughs> in the good sense. I mean, this word is to be defined, but she formed me a lot in this respect, you know, that as a woman, you can do everything. <laughs> it's all in your hands, let's say. This, this kind of view in my life I had, and it was coming mainly from her. But my career, I mean, it was in the beginning, it was investment banking, working for funds, and it was all male, all male for a long time. I haven't seen any woman in the industry. And then um, at a later point, I was taking over responsibility, leading the Czech Venture Capital Association, and um, networking became my job, <laughs> organizing these events. And I, I realized... There is still very few women, I have to say, but I realized the, the, the power of networking. Then later I co-founded this European Women in VC thing. And uh, to be frank, in the impact sector where I'm now, we do a lot of uh, networking and support each other. Also not specific female, I would say. But I am still trying to do on a private level whatever I can. For example, there's a, a program on supporting female entrepreneurs in the Czech Republic 
a network and um, there's an award for female entrepreneurs and I've taken the patronate for this this year. So I'm talking to these women, trying to encourage them about, I mean, just telling about what what I've been learned during my life about, about this role of women. <laughs> When you think about role models again, if there is someone, if there's a woman who would like to help other women, what kind of elements she should think about? What kind of things she should think about to be the best role model possible? What should women look for in a role model, basically? I think most of all she should open and um, sharing and, you know, passionate about what she's doing. <laughs> and the rest is not so important. I, I don't think it's important which point of career you have reached, as long as you're following your passion in some way wherever that leads you. And if this person wants to share this experience, that's always worthwhile, I guess. <laughs> and do you think that, I don't want to say negative examples, but perhaps some sort of failures that led to success, sharing stories like that is really important for women to encourage them to try again? Absolutely, absolutely. Besides, not, not only for women. <laughs> yes. I think we should much more develop a culture of sharing our failures. We had this series of events in the Czech Republic, which was called, well, it's not only in the Czech Republic, it's called Fuck Up Nights. And I, I like this very much. And um, I think that encourage us because you always learn by mistakes, you know. When we look at uh, entrepreneurs, about their track record, we look also at their failures because then you ask, why do you think it was a failure? And this is mostly the most important the learning process afterwards. So let's finish by asking you about your biggest lesson. Something that felt like, you know, a failure at the beginning, but actually was the biggest or led to the biggest success. It depends what you define as success, but I think for me, most important in my life was to find my passion. And I can tell you it was one moment in life, looking back now in 2010, when I heard for the first time about the concept of impact investing, And the deep desire in myself, I mean, it was instantly there. That's what I want to do in my life. And that still drives me until today. So, and sharing this, and sharing this. This was also very important to say, hey, that's what I want to do. What do you think about it? And then you encourage others to follow you. And that's important. That drives you then again. <laughs> Silke, thank you so much for this conversation. It was really a pleasure to chat with you. And thanks for sharing about impact investment, because that's a, a topic that is truly important these days. Absolutely. And thank you for this opportunity to be here. It was a great, great pleasure for me as well. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked the episode, give us a thumbs up and share it with other like-minded audiences. And make sure to join the She's Next, empowered by Visa in partnership with Emerging Europe digital community platform at she'snext.emergingeurope.org.